0: Welcome to Food for Thought, a bonus episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. This is not your uh, this is not to substitute the normal weekly shows. Uh, but for a limited amount of time, these will come out on Fridays for you. And this is uh, just me doing a, a deeper dive into a off-topic, uh, a subject that's interesting to me, or a subject that I think uh, is interesting to uh, to everybody else. But um, but not pipe and tobacco focused at all. Uh, maybe a little you know, maybe a little uh, crossover into the pipe and tobacco world, but this is just a uh, bonus episode and uh, the object here is to fill some, uh, you know, maybe fill some of your free time and do a, uh, just record a conversation with somebody who is either an expert or heavily uh, opinionated in a specific area. And, you know, it's going to be all unedited, all fresh, uh, no fancy stuff but uh, thanks to our sponsors, Missouri Meerschaum, uh Savinelli, Cornell and Deal, and SmokingPipes.com, we're able to do stuff like this to help you uh, get through maybe some of that downtime. So with that being said, my first guest uh, graduated with a Master in Fine Arts uh, in Music for Film, uh, Was a is now a retired uh, college professor of humanities and cinema and music and uh, he's somebody that I've known uh, I guess all of my life because he's my father, Stan Levine Dad all right so so this was the beginning of it for me because I think my I, I think the one movie uh, the the one movie that I think everybody should see at least once in their lifetime is, citizen Kane and there's a lot of pipe smoking in it but citizen Kane is also I mean groundbreaking and probably uh, I guess it's arguably Orson Welles at his best
1: it's Orson Welles at his best and something Orson Welles couldn't couldn't outlive because (laughs) he made his best film when he was 25 And, (laughs) and uh and when he went on the Johnny Carson show uh one 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 time the agreement before he went on was that Johnny can ask him anything he wants except don't mention citizen kane <laughs> and Johnny did and Orson Welles walked off the show yeah so, <laughs> so, oops it, it, it's it's a famous uh it, it's a famous non episode and they had a, they had him blocked for two sections of the show and he went up walked off in the first one and they had to fill the rest of it because he didn't come back uh because he lived his whole life trying to to do something better than he had already done and it's kind of tough to start off that way so
0: besides the fact that there is a lot of pipe smoking going on in citizen kane which you know is great for most of us um why is it so highly regarded
1: Well, he, uh, Orson Welles, um, broke a lot of rules. And he was able to do this because this was a studio film. It was before a lot of independent films became popular. In fact, there really weren't very many independent films like today where people can do what they want to do. So he asked for complete uh, rights uh, control over the whole film. And they were gonna r k o which is the studio who made it was gonna go along with whatever he said and so he he did a film one of the main- first things that happened is that the most films up until this time i think I could almost say all but most films up this time were sort of shown in chronological order i mean what happened first um like if this were about Citizen Kane, it would have started when he's a little boy. But it starts off when he's an adult, and then there are flashbacks, which were really unusual at this at this time. Um, that that it it flashed back to uh, to times when he was a little kid and all different times in, in, in his life, uh, which was was unusual, and. Um, the other thing is, is that it was, it was about somebody who actually existed, which which was Randolph Hearst, who owned <laughs> the newspapers and a lot of other things,
0: and was still around so since, at that time.
1: I'm very much around and own a lot of theaters and not only papers, newspapers, but radio stations. So, Citizen Kane, in most ways, was Randolph Hearst. Wells was making a statement about um, very wealthy people who try to control uh, the world and power with their money and
0: (laughs) that doesn't go on anymore but go ahead
1: no they stopped it right with that film yeah Uh, and and so uh, the other thing about Citizen Kane is that he he used he had a special lens made because He was in all these big places. Um, He had a a castle belt um, that was like um, uh, um, Hearst Castle. Uh, And and, and Hearst Castle, of course, is on the West Coast in California. But Xanadu, his version was on the East Coast in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) So, So that makes it totally different, too. Yeah and And he was a very wealthy person who bought people and had people do what what he what he wants, what, what he wants done. In fact, there's a moment in the film because uh, in the film uh, Citizen Kane takes over a newspaper. I mean, he owns a bunch of stuff. He inherited a, a bunch of things. But the only thing he was interested in was, was this newspaper, and it was a newspaper that, that he ran because of things being thrilling and exciting. And so the Spanish-American War, there's a, a line from the film that, that a reporter says there's no war here, and he said, you provide the, the prose, and I'll provide the war. and some people say that that was Hurst had that same same reaction this took place in a lot of big places like the the castle so there uh, there was these really long shots that he wanted to have both people who were far away and close to him in focus and he had a special lens designed so that so that this could be done, and it was the first time a lens like that was used. And editing became really important, more important than, I mean, this is the beginning when editing really became a big part of film because this film was was not shot in, in chronological order. Um, and the, 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 the writing and, and directing are just new, I think, because this is the first time, uh, Orson Welles was on a soundstage was, was, when, was when he was making this film. He was well known for, uh, uh, for War of the Worlds and the Mercury Radio um, theater pr- program that was yeah. really popular. Um, and there's an interesting story that goes along with that because he had a new, his show was like a replacement show and he was uh, on against, um, oh, I'm trying to remember the the, 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 um, the show where the ventriloquist, it was the biggest radio show of all times. Uh,
0: Charlie McCarthy and Edgar Bergen.
1: Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Well, it turns out that what, what happened the night that he was doing War of the Worlds He had a big disclaimer before the show started. Well, everybody tuned in, like like with Johnny Carson or any of the shows, to hear the monologue. And there was always a monologue between Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. And then they found out that that they were going to have an opera singer on. So people changed to the other network. They missed the introduction to the show saying that this is not true what's happening this is a radio play and there's a lot of people who believed at the time that the united the the united states well the world was being attacked by aliens from outer space
0: (laughs) (laughs) it was it was a terrible halloween Um,
1: and and it was at halloween right It, it was they put put it on for halloween the network and arson wells, it was really a joke, but it's it scared a lot of people because they missed they missed the warning.
0: Um, yeah. All right. So in it, in, uh, in sake of time, let's try to let's try to keep moving through this because you've got movies in different genres that you think are kind of I, I guess uh, you know the the best of that genre or maybe uh, maybe not as well known in each genre but still kind of stand out to you so let's go through them one at a time
1: okay um the since we're talking about halloween and scary things and um there's a film called metropolis and and it was made in 1927 it's a silent film and and it's a long film it's two hours and two and a half hours long and it it is the beginning of the fantasy science fiction uh other uh, uh, where you where you have the mad scientist who who can control a lot of things um in fact the mad scientist um lost his hand and he redesigned his his own hand (laughs) so if you um uh, look at the the film um, Dr. Strangelove where the scientist has a hand that keeps wanting to strangle him. I'm pretty sure that came from Metropolis. In fact, if you like any of these films, uh, this genre of film, you need to see Metropolis and to make sure that you get the, the, the Keno archive, uh, K E, uh, N E O, uh, version because it's the most complete. There are a lot of other versions out there with weird music and stuff, but there's a version that came out about ten years ago or so that is really complete and uses the actual music that that went with the with the film.
0: So, this, um, so again, we're going back to black and white silent films. So subtitles and maybe a, an organist or a piano soundtrack would have been included with it.
1: Well, if you, if you went to see it at your local theater, uh, it would have been a piano or, or an organ. But, there, but in those days, if you went to see a first run in a big city, um, like Radio City Music Hall, for instance, in, in New York, um, that, that was, there would was, be an orchestra there, and there'd be a live orchestra accompanying the film.
0: Yeah, and and so again, this this one kind of set the set the standard for what a lot of further sci-fi movies looked like, felt like some of the monster movies. The you, you'll you'll see uh, the roots of all of those when you watch this one.
1: You bet the the, the monster and and the um, uh, if you, the bubbling. Um, beakers of things in the laboratory and the uh, uh, electric um sparks going up the the the, the ladder and uh, it, you'll see if you've seen other films and you watch this one you will see where i think they all came from
0: and again Samuel this also, is this is not a printed list this is your opinion over the years and years of movies and and just studying them and seeing them
1: Oh right. Yeah. No, this is all this is all my my opinion.
0: And and as and, I as I say, you are the leading expert on your own opinion, so
1: And 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 yes I am. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right, so but, after after Metropolis and the silent movies, where do we go next?
1: Um well, how about um we go to uh Alfred Hitchcock is yep. is really um Uh, a famous filmmaker and and also we need to get into the film noir category and so he made a film even though it's not black and white it's his first color film and it's called rope and i think it's a film that uh, a lot of people won't have seen and maybe not even know it's a hitchcock film but it's it's a film that takes place the opposite of citizen Kane in real time and in order and what you see, it would, it's, it's almost, it's like a play on film. Uh, but you see happens in that order and takes the exact amount of time that you're, that you're watching it. Wow. And, um, the film, uh, let, let's, I'm trying to re, I'm trying to remember how long, how long rope it rope, Rope is like an hour and a half uh, long. So uh, on a camera, there are uh, 10 minutes per roll on 35 millimeter film. And so he just shot uh, enough rolls in a row to make the film. Like this is a film when I said Citizen Kane had a lot of editing. This has no editing except to put the (laughs) reels together. And it's fun to watch because... Each 10 minutes, there's going to be an edit, and he tries to hide them. And one of the ways he does this in the beginning of the, of the film is uh, Jimmy Stewart, believe it or not, is, <laughs> is in the film. No. <laughs> and um, I, I know that will be hard for people to believe, especially if you know what uh, Hitchcock thought of Jimmy Stewart. Uh, but, <laughs> but this film is from 1948. So it was it was back a little ways, and he takes a, a, a shot of Jimmy Stewart's, or not not Jimmy Stewart's, but it's one of the two brothers, uh, Jack uh, coats. and he goes into the coat, and then he comes out of that same coat, and that's where they change the film. And you can look for other clever ways where he hides the the edit because he wants you to feel that this is an unedited film.
0: So you're just sitting back and watching it and there's no cuts and pans and, uh, no changes of, uh, no, no, uh, point and counterpoint when you're looking at the two people talking and, yeah, you know, so it's just one, one big long single take for 10 minutes and then a cut and then another 10 minutes.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, and so I think that's interesting. The other thing that's really uh, groundbreaking in this film and why I one reason why I picked it is, is that in effect, being a film noir, it's a whodunit. But unlike any other one that I know of before this, uh, you know everything within the first um, two, three minutes of the film. Uh, there is a, I won't ruin it by saying there is a murder. And, and you'll know in the beginning who did it, how it was done, where the body is. I mean the whole thing. The only thing that you won't know is is uh, is if he get, they get caught or not. And the the people didn't didn't think this film was going to work because if you knew everything that was going to happen, how why are you going to keep watching the film? And there, there's good there's good reason to. Uh, <laughs> And 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 since then, there are films like it where where the audience knows um, a lot more than the people in the film. Of course, the people in the film though, they don't know what the audience knows. And and usually in film noir or the old films, the the, the te- you know what the detectives know. You don't know what the in in the case of this film, the murderers know. And but you 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 know everything. And the film I think still really works.
0: And if you watch if you're familiar with Hitchcock at all i think I think Jimmy Stewart was the lead in two thirds of Hitchcock's big earlier movies uh, and Alfred Hitchcock has a cameo in each one so he manages to work himself into this one and you really have to watch for it
1: you really do um and 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 if you don't watch quickly in the beginning you'll miss it.
0: So there you go. All right, what's the uh, what's next?
1: What's next? Okay, um, you have to tell me if I go back to one again because
0: yeah, I'm, <laughs> so I'm keeping track Ro- for you. I'm related we to did you. We *Rope*,
1: *Metropolis*, and and *Citizen Kane*, right? Yep. Um, w- one film that that I have to put in here uh, for me, and I could say it's it's uh, if it's okay, it's almost a family favorite. Uh oh. And. And I bet I bet you know which one I mean.
0: Well, I, I don't know. I'm am I'm, I'm thinking about it. Um, maybe maybe uh, Hedley Lamar.
1: Maybe Hedley Lamar. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. And uh, and uh, Mongo not that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. The but whole movie has something to do with uh, where Choo Choo go.
1: It has a lot to do with where Choo Choo go and and rock ridge
0: yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. so i guess we're talking about blazing saddles
1: yes and the reason why i I picked this one and this is a personal choice but it is the beginning of the spoof genre it really is because because after this comes um the uh, police academy and and the one about the detective i mean the films that are making fun of other films yeah and this is and, and this, of course, is a, is a Mel Brooks film, so I like to to mention him and he made two films before this that some people know and some people don't know. Uh, one people may know because of the musical, and that's the producers yep. but the the first is first two, and the other one's called 12 Chairs," and the, those two are not spoofs, so this is his third film and and it is a spoof, and then the film's he made all the films he made after this are spoofs on things because um the the next film after this with almost the same exact cast is is young frankenstein right
0: <laughs> yeah and and some um, people would argue that young frankenstein is a better done m- movie than blazing saddles but blazing saddles was probably a more likable story for everybody
1: well and the other thing that that i think is is that since i'm old and and grew up in the 50s and 60s is is that westerns were the thing that was on tv every show that was on was was a western yeah and and so for mel brooks and and for me uh you need to know the the genre that's being spoofed in order to enjoy the jokes and i think people are more familiar with, with the frankenstein story than 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 the western and so i i i appreciate it a lot but it has to do you know with with your with your background and what and what you know the thing that i've enjoyed because i showed this Almost from the beginning, it was available on VHS tape in in the humanities class. And it was interesting what bothered students from the beginning, from 1974, when the film came out until I retired, changed. I mean, this film insults everybody. yeah, And most people don't see all the insults of everybody. They see the thing that insults them. But if you look at it, no one goes uninsulted and uh and so it's, it was interesting to me over the years about what students picked up on and what things bothered the students over the years so that was <laughs> a, a fact fa- and they and they changed even though the movie didn't change i think uh, the movie was pretty much the same every time i showed it so
0: and I and I think Mel Brooks has said that in this climate today he couldn't get that movie produced now.
1: Oh no. I mean no way. Yeah. Uh, uh,
0: uh
1: it's just just like another one the TV show that people may not all in the family could never be done today either. Um uh, but we won't talk about yeah. about that.
0: All right, so we got Blazing Saddles. That's number four. Where are we going for number five?
1: Well, since we're talking about westerns. Yeehaw. Um, and and, and we, we, we have to have a Clint Eastwood film because <laughs> he's a genre in himself. Uh, but to me, what I think is one of his best films is, is Unforgiven. And I don't know how many people have, have seen that.
0: Yeah, now that's kind of that's kind of newer compared to everything else that you've talked about.
1: Yes, in fact, um this is this is from 1992. Yeah. And and this I think people are going to think I'm picking all all older films and that there's no uh good film um to talk about today, although in talking about genres, it's kind of hard to place a film in a genre until you has been around for a little while cuz the genre has to get started like like lazy south being a spoof movie yeah. you know i mean that that was not something that
0: you can't spoof that, something until it's happened already
1: right um but what but I,
0: what sticks out about unforgiven
1: well um Un- unforgiven is is um is a western uh, but it and it does all the things that a western does and in the the and and in what Clint Eastwood films do is is the bad guy gets killed <laughs> yeah. um, which is pretty um amazing. Uh but you you have sympathy for everybody, including the bad guy. Um it's, it's a, it's... and and it's and it's hard in this one to totally know exactly who well you know who the bad guy is but there's a lot of bad guys in 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 the film and it's not that that pure uh as people talked about in the western genre the white hat and the black hat because in my day growing up especially in the 50s cowboy movies there was the good guys and the bad guys and the good guys were very very good and the bad guys were very very bad and they weren't even close to each other where these these are real real characters doing um real things but yet it's a it's a western
0: and it, and it must have been shot real well i think it won a couple of a couple academy awards and it it uh, it didn't do so bad for itself
1: oh no no it really it really did and and it really is one of clint eastwood's uh, Highest-rated uh, films that won four Oscars.
0: Yeah, so there you and go. And I
1: bet a lot of people maybe don't know that, but um, it was almost more appreciated than some of the films, Clint Eastwood's films that people know <clears throat> a lot, a lot better.
0: All right, and in sake of time, where are we going for number six?
1: Um, let's see. The the and, and I'll. I'll, I'll speed up. Uh, n- Number six is one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and 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 I, I bring I bring that up because uh, th- this is a genre that I call a, a genre uh, that has to do with later films having uh, having the idea that you you can't you can't fight what's the, 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 the government you can't fight what what is, even though a character may be right and you believe that character is right and is being wrong you, uh, the system is what the word I was looking for. you can't fight yeah. the system, and this is a film that deals with that and and also it, it's it's a film with what a lot of people think or talk about and I only bring this up not necessarily my opinion but but uh, Jack Nicholson did some films before this but this is the film that made Jack Nicholson really well known and it's really the kind of character he plays really well
0: (laughs) somewhat abnormal
1: (laughs) some somewhat abnormal and 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 fighting fighting the system and seeing the world through through his his eyes and and not being able to see what what else is what else is is uh, is happening
0: and with it coming with it yeah so it, it it's not if it, I haven't seen it in a long time I mean a long time and it's not if I remember right it's not an easy film to watch either
1: oh no no well and it shows it, it shows the cruelty of the system that most people when you watch it think the system is cruel but yet at the time people thought everything was okay yeah yeah. and is. and I don't know if that's a a genre but I sort of think that 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 it is um, <laughs> it, it, and it
0: it requires some extra thought while you're watching it which is yeah earlier I think when you look at a lot of films from the '40s, '50s, '60s, '70s, it was it, there was a lot of simple, straight thought processes, plot lines, and this one might have been the first one where it's just it's not simple.
1: No, and it and it is it is really, uh, re- really emotional. What yeah. what number was that? Uh,
0: that is number six. So now number seven
1: um let's see what would be a good one to do um
0: let's go back to something happy
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay um snow white and the seven dwarfs
0: yep and that Uh, i mean yeah i know why i think it's groundbreaking um but go ahead
1: no go, go ahead i mean
0: I mean, it was the first time. It was a. It was. It was the first time that there was ever really a feature length animated film, and it wasn't made for kids. It was made for everybody,
1: and and it worked for everybody, and and it was one of the first times that you could because cartoons were a thing in the old days that came in between the newsreel, and I mean this um, Snow White's from from um, Nineteen thirty-seven, yeah, and it, it, it before this film, uh, the, the cartoons were things that came in between the newsreel and the and the movie. In fact, in Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane starts out with a newsreel, which is really interesting because when people went to see that movie, they probably saw a newsreel right before that movie started, because <laughs> th- this was before nineteen thirty-seven. Both Citizen Kane and and Snow White are before television, and so the only place where you could see news live was a newsreel in a movie theater. So there was usually a newsreel, a cartoon, or the other order, and then your feature film. Um, and, and the
0: and the cartoon uh, the, the cartoons were six seven eight minutes they might have been one whole reel and they were meant to tell one joke or a couple of jokes in a row and get people laughing and then that was it this was not that at all this was a feature film that was drawn to tell a story
1: exactly and also that was made especially if it's gonna hold your attention for a feature length period you need to have some feelings for the characters in a cartoon you can just watch at what's going on and not really care so much and it could still be funny and and it's over with but if you don't care about anything that's going on and this is true about anything that has to do with theater or film uh, films that tell stories is you have to care about the characters or you're not going to enjoy the film yeah and th- this is this is a, a film where people were surprised that they had feelings for, for Snow White. And you could even have feelings about the seven dwarfs and, and their circumstance and what they were involved with. And then it had a a real love story in it too.
0: Yeah. And Um, it had a real bad villain in it that, yeah. So it, it had everything that a real movie should have. Um, real quickly, can we just argue that it's not the prettiest of the early Disney classic films, and I'll and I'll put Bambi in there as the prettiest of them.
1: Oh, oh no, and I I wouldn't it, I wouldn't say it's I, I don't like the word worst. I I told my students that that the the best film and the worst film in any genre hasn't been made yet. Because it's hard to make the perfect film, although people would say Citizen Kane is as close as you're going to get. And, and I don't know what the worst film is. People, people like to discuss that. <laughs> um, but but uh, don't, uh, don't look at films like that. Look at them for themselves and that they're trying to create a world that you're going to go spend uh, 70, 80, 90, 120 minutes um, and
0: if you're and, James Cameron, three and a half hours, four hours,
1: right. <laughs> but that, that takes you away from, from, from where you are. And I think, uh, I think Snow White does that, but to be the really first of a kind, because most people didn't think that you could, in fact, they called that a, a feature length cartoon. All right. And and it and it became not a cartoon, and then it set the groundwork because, of course, we know today that animated films have gotten to be really popular.
0: Yeah, all and right. even so,
1: for, for adults.
0: So yeah, because I hate it when those kids go to those movies because they get in my way and they're loud. Um, all right, so what's number eight?
1: Um, number eight. I thought we we. Um, Well, I'm going to, the the hardest film to watch um, is, and I picked A Clockwork Orange. (laughs) Yeah. And, and it was made to be, to be a a hard film to watch and, and it's, but I think Stanley Kubrick is a really um, big name, but Hollywood uh, director. And if I could throw a film in just real quick, there's a film called The Player that he made. That's a film about Hollywood, but not very nice film about Hollywood. But it was made in Hollywood, and there were a lot of he got a lot of uh, people had cameos in the film who are Hollywood stars. Uh, so I'll, I'll just throw that out. I'll, I'll leave that there. But uh, Clockwork Orange, to me, it, Kubrick made. Um, Doctor Doctor Strangelove, a Space Odyssey, two thousand and one, and A Clockwork Orange, and I. This is me now. I believe that this is like a trilogy of films. Uh, one having to do with dealing with the bomb. Uh, one having uh, to to do uh, with with outer space and and technology and and computers like we're talking about today, artificial intelligence. And then Clockwork Orange is what's going to happen after the big bomb falls. So it sort of covers th- those three things. And I think this film is, is again, excruciatingly tough film to watch. And, and he made it that way because um, his, I think he felt that the world is sometimes a tough place to live in, and and you get to try and, and experience this with um with, with the main character
0: and i'll also say a clockwork orange is probably not safe for family viewing no yeah so read the with, with any movie that you go to read the motion picture rating on it first and before you start <laughs> before you start watching it all right well let's finish it up with the number with the ninth one
1: well, the ninth one, I, I thought we, we should go outside the United States. And, and there's um, uh, Kurosawa uh, is probably um, the most famous Japanese director. Yeah. And, and he made a lot of films. In fact, there's a film called The Seventh Samurai, that the Magnificent Seven, some of some people may know, which is a western, was yeah. was based was based on, but Rashomon is is really really interesting to me because you you see um, the the rape and it's not not it's not uh, brutal, but um, I leave this to people's discretion about who watches it. But you see it through the eyes of of three different three different people. Um, and and I, I hate to give this away, but since we can't talk about it after you see it, um, that y- you keep looking from an area behind, the person who who is being accused of the crime and and you don't see like where there would be a jury or anybody else and uh there's no answer and kurosawa hasn't answered that but my feeling is it's us i mean we're the jury we're going to hear three different views of something that we saw and I think it's so wonderful that by the time you're done watching it, and I know from showing it in class with, with students, uh, there's always been a great discussion about, um, there's, uh, the, uh a bandit who's, who's being accused of this. There's the bride who, who it's done to, and there's the, Samurai's ghost, who gets who gets murdered, but the samurai. This is like the fiance of the samurai, and you also get the ghost version. Uh, Japanese stories are really involved with ghosts a lot, <laughs> but this isn't the kind of ghost that's um, uh, a spooky ghost. This is kind of ghost that you'd believe a- a- as as a person and and it's it's a really interesting film to watch with other people because uh, i think you'll find that different people will come up with uh, the film is so well done that you'll come up with different different answers in fact when i've watched it uh, i've even tried to watch it uh, since i know the film from just the point of view of each one of those three people and i'm still not sure like if i were on the jury for this for this trial uh who who i would say is is guilty so i think it's a wonderful film that that way the uh, the get...
0: the film name is rashomon r a s h o m o n and yes. uh you know that that'll just that, that i mean that that's a good taste of nine completely different styles of film and uh <laughs> Yeah, guaranteed. Guaranteed, there'll be one in there that you like, and there will be one or two in there that you really hate because you just don't want to watch them. But uh, appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on and and doing this. Uh, we'll have uh, other folks coming on in the future talking about. Uh, I'm working on a couple of people that have been on Broadway. I'm trying to hook up with uh, with a musician and yeah just some just some different subjects so uh dad thanks for coming on appreciate it um you're probably part of the reason why i think differently about things and sometimes it's not always a good way to think about things
1: <laughs> well i'm i'm either sorry or happy to hear that
0: or both at the same time
1: or both at the same time i uh well, just, yeah and people need to keep an open mind when you're watching these things and and some of the films are are hard to watch because they're they're tough subjects
0: so yeah. thanks yeah. Yeah, thanks again for coming on thank you to missouri Meersham, cornell and deal savinelli and smokingpipes.com for their continuing uh sponsorship and support and uh, that's just some food for thought